Good evening, TDN listeners, and welcome to this speaking interview with your host, Anthony Drago. It's such a pleasure to be with you this Wednesday, but let me first of all apologize to you, my listeners, for our late start. Um, just a lot of stuff going on and um, also a little bit of um, challenges with the, with the technology. But I have, I have a very exciting conversation um, in store for you tonight. And so, nevertheless, as we get a late start, we're going to be quick off the mark. Those of you who listen to me regularly know that I usually do the CARICOM anthem, but I'm going to skip that tonight because we are already uh, about a little more than 10 minutes late. And, and so I'm going to skip doing the CARICOM anthem and go straight to my guest who has been patiently um, waiting along with you for, 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 my, for, for me to come in. Uh, tonight, we are going to deal with... Uh, a conversation that is very, you know, very close to so many people. Uh, we are going to deal with the question of domestic violence and, and abuse, uh, domestic violence in all its forms. And um, I know those of you who listen every time know that that's what we do on this speaking interview. We always try to bring you topics that are relevant and try to give it to you from a different point of view so that it provokes you to think. And then once you've thought about it and get the information, hopefully it provokes you into action because we're all about creating movements. Well, um, this evening, my guest is Miss um, Illis. I'm going, to, I'm going to try to say her name because uh, she has a very unique and, and beautiful African name that um, it's N. Kosos, Kososana, right? Um, you'll say it better than me, but all the same, I most, most likely will call you Miss Illness for Illis for the for the for the remainder of the of the hour so that we're together. Uh, a very warm welcome to you uh, to to this weekend interview. Welcome. Good evening and thank you so much for having me. Okay. So it, it it's not a, a circumstances in which that brings you to us uh, as my guest is not one that we want to celebrate. It's one that we wish we did not have to deal with. However, it's reality and we have to deal with it. And, um, and it's a question of domestic violence and, and abuse. Uh, and there's so, so many people who experience it. Whenever we, we have this conversation, uh, there are so many folks who, who text or, or post on social media that they too experience some sort of, of sexual abuse, some sort of domestic violence, either when they were young girls um, or young boys. And um, it's something that is so prevalent in, in all over the world, but in our region. And it, it looks like it's really well hidden a lot of the times. And so folks don't realize how prevalent it is. So to start off our conversation, I, I want to give you the opportunity to introduce yourself. And also you have a foundation called Voices. Introduce yourself and your foundation. And then we're going to lay the, the backdrop of um, domestic violence. And, and then we'll dive deeper and deal with specific aspects of it. Okay. Thank you once again. And good evening to the TV listeners, those of you who are looking uh, live on TV. My name is Nkosasana Ellis. I'm from St. Martin, and I'm a social worker by profession. 
and I have a foundation that's called Victory Over Injustice, Consciously Eliminating Silence, just voices. And the reason for the foundation, it's in honor of my youngest sister that was murdered by her husband and then he murdered himself. And I made a vow to her to become her voice and we would become the voices of the voiceless and of humanity. Oh, we're so sorry for, for your loss. Um, you know, it's such an unfortunate circumstance, uh, but, but we, but I know that by what you do, the memory of your sister lives on and that I'm sure that gives you some comfort and some, and some solace. So let me just ask you right off the bat, how prevalent, um, is domestic abuse, domestic violence in, in our part of, of, of the world in the Caribbean region? Very much so. And it's very often that people or persons that are being abused in any form, whether it's verbally, spiritually, emotionally, they are remaining silent. And when we talk about domestic abuse, it's not only women, there are also men who are being abused in relationships. And it's very challenging, I would say, for men to speak out and also for women to speak out. And abuse not necessarily happen by someone inflicting abuse on you. Sometimes we inflict abuse on ourselves and we are, it's unknown to us, especially when you have younger children growing up in a home that is constantly a battle between the mother and the father and they're seeing abuse. It becomes like a sort of norm for them. So they in turn will end up into abusive relationship because children gravitate to the boys gravitate gravitate to women like their mother and girls gravitate to men like their father and i mean actions like the parents because children are like a sponge and the first role model of a child is the parent so we have to be very careful what we are saying how we are thinking and what we are doing is very important and in the region a lot of people it's like a taboo. People don't talk about violence or of any form because it's it comes with shame, it comes with embarrassment, it comes with not wanting persons to know your business. Wow. Yeah. So two two aspects that you that you touched on that is not commonly spoken about when we talk about domestic violence is one men as victims of domestic violence, and two, self-abuse as violence as well, violence against yourself, motivated by external forces or external influences, but still self-inflicted. So just flesh out those two things a little bit further for us. Um, deal with the one with um, self-abuse uh, first, and then we will talk about um, men also being victims of, of, of abuse. Self-abuse happens in various forms. And especially if a person is very, very tired and you're working or you're behind a computer, but you're forcing, you're forcing yourself to work, that's abuse inflicted upon yourself. If you feel yourself less, you don't work anything, and you feel other persons are better than you or they look better than you, that's also abuse inflicted on yourself. Also, when you are in a position where someone is putting you down, but you put yourself down first, so it's easy for someone to put you down and you would accept it. 
self abuse also means that when you are uh, when you a woman if a woman is dressed but she feels she's too heavy she's on the heavier side and her friend look nicer than her women have to understand that we are sisters and we are each other's keepers and you are just beautiful just the way you are you have to embrace the way you are at the moment and of course you can work on improvement nevertheless also i believe that a lot of women instead of uplifting each other put each other down right so that takes us over i guess into into self image uh if 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 a woman doesn't have a very healthy self esteem then she sort of thinks that she needs to look a certain way that is different from how she currently looks because as as a person who's been around for a while you see all sorts of shapes and looks of women who are very confident and therefore they look attractive and on the other hand you you would see a person if you just saw them in a photograph um they would be quote unquote considered beautiful but when you meet them because they don't have a very high self esteem um their attractiveness so as to speak it gets dulled so so like a message i'm hearing you sending is that if you have to be able to embrace yourself as you are at the moment even while you are working on on improving because there's always room for improvement i was listening to a tip the other day and and um the speaker put it this way he said you are perfect but not complete so so you have to accept yourself as you are as being perfect but understanding that you're not complete so so you always work towards getting to the next stage and he did an analogy where he says okay you see this building that's a beautiful building it once upon a time it was a drawing on a paper so that drawing on the paper was perfect but the building was not complete then the building starts and you put the foundation and whatever at that stage it is perfect because it was done according to how it was planned but it's not complete and so on and so on and so on until the building and even when the building is occupied there's always things to do to maintain and upgrade and what not and it may be perfect as it is but there's always something to complete and he, and he was I, that that stuck with me and as you said that right now it resonated with me that a lot of times we have to realize and accept and project that we are perfect as we are even while we are working on completing the next stage and so i i i i'm really happy that you you approaching um the first aspect that you speaking about is is self abuse where because we beat up on ourselves because we the first one to say oh my god i'm so dumb why did i do that then it opens the door for somebody else to come in and treat us like that and then it escalates into into something else so let's let's take that progression now and take it to where um somebody who has um that sort of deficiency in their self image then associates with somebody who probably reinforces that in them and therefore becomes an abuser how how does that dynamic um play out i would say it also starts from in the household at home mm -hmm. you have parents that have children and you will hear parents saying to their child or to the children 
Your, your brother or your sister is better than you. Your brother or sister have nicer hair than you. So again, when parents put a child down, the child tend to believe that that's who they are. And if you're taught something consistently over and over and over and over again, you tend to believe it and then you live it. So it's very important that within a household that parents understand that each child is unique and beautiful just the way they are and should be treated as such. I do not want to be like my sister. I have my own identity. And parents have to understand that children are little people and you have to respect where they are. Many too often parents tend to break the spirit of that child. We were taught that we should not be able to speak our mind. We were not able to express our feelings. So it was always a hush hush. And I believe if parents allow children to be themselves and embrace them just the way they are and really enhance what they have at the moment, we will become better adults. Because children are grown into adults, but stuck emotionally as a child. They take mm. everything with them and emotionally, they still remain that child. So if you get into a relationship, whether it's a friend relationship or intimate relationship, you also take that with you. And when you take that with you, you tend to drag your partner or your friend in that circle because you don't know anything else. And remember, we attract who we are. So I attract my light. I'm looking in a mirror at myself. The mirror is a reflection of me. My society is also a reflection of me. So I attract what I have on the inside. And many too often we miss the point because persons come into our lives to teach us a fundamental lesson. We have to learn what it is that person is teaching us at the moment. And most of the time, they're showing us ourselves and the qualities that we have to work on to become a greater individual and the qualities that we should just say, you know what, I don't need this anymore. So it's very important that parents understand that you never break the spirit of a child because children are still between the spiritual world and the physical world. But we have grown up and we have get ideas from whether it's our parents, school teachers, our society, the environment. So we have everything within us. Now a child is just fresh and free and speak freely from a free spirited mind. So you 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 are you you are sort of proposing that one of the ways that we can tackle abuse and violence is is from parenting. And uh, not or not just parenting like mother and father in the home, but who is the child's um teacher in in grade school, um or their their football coach or or a softball coach or netball, um all of those persons who interact with a young child, if we, tell me if you agree with that, if we, if we work on raising children who have a very healthy self-image, that that would help to reduce and mitigate the, the, the prevalence of, of violence and, and abuse that we see. Is that, what, okay. is that what I'm hearing? Correct. 
That is correct. Because remember, in our society, we are adults, we are role models to our children. We always have to raise successors to become better than us. That's our role. And many too often, we tend to hold on and whatever it is, not letting go, not training and not giving altruistically, always giving with something in return, looking for something in return. Now, if you give altruistically from the heart, it's always good. Not with a motive behind of it. Mm-hmm. And children tend to gravitate towards that. Many too often when children do that, we tend to misuse and abuse our so-called power or the authority position. Whereas children just want to learn. They just want to know. And I always tell parents, if you feel at the moment that you cannot give what you don't have, then you look for someone, whether it's a school teacher or a family member, that would be able to enhance that child and help you use the tools or teach you to use the tools that you already have. Because like I tell parents, I'm not here to tell you how to raise your child. What I can do, what I can do is unleash those tools that you already have and help you to sharpen those tools, to enhance it, that you can enhance your child or your children. All right. So listeners, if you if you joined us late, uh, you are tuned into this weekend interview with your host, Anthony Drago. And um, my guest tonight is Ms. Enko Sosana. Um, Illis, I, I am still is a work in progress to say the name. It's, it's a really beautiful name. I'm going to ask her about the name um, as an aside. But uh, she's my guest tonight. And um, our topic tonight is domestic violence and abuse in general. And um, so far, she, she's laid out a really interesting approach. The approach of um, self-esteem um the approach of self-image accepting yourself as you are and therefore you will be less accepting of, of of abuse um that's where we've gone so far i i am going to take a very quick break and when we come back uh, i'm going to talk to miss illis about her her organization called voices we'll be right back When you feel a sneeze or a cough coming, (coughs) covering your mouth prevents the spread of germs. You probably knew that. But the way you cover up also matters. And that means breaking a habit you've held near and dear all your life. Cover your nose and mouth with your flexed elbow or a tissue, not your hands. Discard the used tissue immediately. Then wash your hands. Help stop the spread of germs. Remember, your health is your responsibility. A message by the Health Promotion Unit of the Ministry of Health, Wellness and New Health Investment, Dominica. Welcome back. And of course, this message is so important as we watch the resurgence of coronavirus among us. Um, you know, I, I like to say that most of what we, that will help to, to alleviate 
the prevalence of corona is just common sense, good hygiene practices that we should have been doing anyway. Um, washing your hands, sanitizing your hands, being aware of what you touch, um, being conscious. Though, you know, if you if you blow your nose, wipe your hand, sanitize your hand before you shake somebody else's hand. Uh, social distance, and, um, respect your people's own personal spaces. Those kind of things um, would go a long way in, in reducing corona um, virus. Um, just burning through our population and killing so many of our loved ones. But let's go back to our guest, Ms. Um, Enkosusana Ellis. I'm getting better with the name. Um, before we jump back in, just take a quick 30 seconds and tell me about your name, because it, it, is, it is really unique. And um, I'm sure there is a, a good story or good uh, meaning with it. Yes, my name is actually, uh, you pronounce it with a click. It's from the Mosa tribe in South Africa. My father used to call me that as a child. And as I got older, I decided to give myself that name as a gift to my ancestors, to my father, and to myself. And Nkosasana means princess, daughter of the soil. Oh, that is that is beautiful. I'm happy I asked you about that because I, I in a sense, that that explains not only because you you're doing this work, um, the genesis of it started the tragedy with your sister, but but the the passion that you um, you show for it also shows um, that that you embody the meaning of your name. So um, thank you for sharing that with us. Also. Uh, in the beginning, you said what your foundation called Voices, what it stood for. So, so remind us what it stood for and just tell us um, a little bit about the foundation and what, what's your position there um, and how, how um, listeners can, can get to know more about your work, more about your foundation, your social media contacts and so on. The Voices stands for Victory Over Injustice consciously eliminating silence. And the reason for the name is because too many persons remain in silence. And we wanna bring that awareness through using your voice. Because when you, when you use your voice, you can save a life, even your own life. And it's in honor of my youngest sister. And she was brutally murdered by her husband and then he murdered himself. The awareness that voices bring to the community or the society at large, is through workshops, through counseling, through different um, symposium and seminars. We are, because of the pandemic now, we do virtual uh, seminars or virtual meetings because we believe that the safety of the people of St. Martin is very important, is our number one priority. We host three major events within the year, which is the awareness of domestic violence, which is on the 25th of November. But Voices event is always on the 30th of November because that's my sister Micheline's birthday. So we always do the awareness on that day. Then we host the Emancipation Cultural Ancestral event, the day that Samaritan was emancipated. And we also do international women events on March 8th. So Voices will do different workshops where we will teach women to how to defend themselves and how to stand up for themselves 
as well as men. As I said earlier, it's for women and men. So voices also counsel the victim and voices also counsel the perpetrator. Because you can understand, you have to understand that when you have someone who's inflicting violence constantly to another person, they also need treatment or need help. It's very important. You cannot deal with a victim alone. You have to deal with the perpetrator as well, as well as the surrounding family members. So we believe that the family unit is very important. Voices is a grassroots organization, so from house to house. And we believe that heart-to-heart -heart contact is the best method. And that's what we use a lot as well. Because the heart is altruistic and persons know when you're sincere and you're genuine. We all, I work at a high school, so we also go into the, the, the school to bring awareness to the young children because we believe that our children sometimes use words such as shut up, you're stupid, you're doting. And these words are very harmful to the other persons who's on the receiving end. That's also abuse. So we try to bring that awareness to the youngsters as well. We also bring awareness to adults or parents. How do you speak with your children, not at them, with them? Many often you hear parents would call their, their children names or swear words at them and put their spirit down. And we try to teach them a different method of using their voice in a different way. Because sometimes a parent does mean, parents always mean well. It's not what you say to a child, it's how you say it to a child or to anyone, as a matter of fact. So voices believe that our thoughts or your thoughts, your words, and your actions should always be positive and always should be a word of enhancement to enhance the other person's life. That's very, very important. So where, where do listeners... Um see your work, um, keep track of what you do and so on. What are your we contact have, information? Mm -hmm. We are on Voices, we are on Facebook, Voices and Facebook page. That's where mm -hmm. persons can find the Voices Foundation. And there's also a telephone number that you can contact me directly. Okay, so your, your Facebook page is Voices Foundation. Okay. Yes. Uh, and persons can, can become more familiar. You, you mentioned that you are uh, are based in St. Martin. Do you do work with organizations in different islands? We haven't started as yet. I started out in the Netherlands. So Voices mm -hmm. started in the Netherlands mm -hmm. in 2002, because my sister was born in 2001. So it started in the Netherlands. We work with foundations, different organizations in the Netherlands. I came back to St. Martin. I work with organizations in St. Martin. And actually, I cannot say no. I want to apologize for that. Voices have the opportunity to be on a panel discussion with the mm -hmm. BPW of Dominica, St. Kitts, Grand Canyon, Cayman Islands, and um, that was really phenomenal. So you have you had women from these different organizations there on a panel discussion, also discussion discussing about violence and abuse, and it was phenomenal. It was really great. So that, that sounds awesome. So, I mean, did they sort of um, indicate the, the status of um, domestic violence in their various countries? Did they 
voice what 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 were some of the main concerns that they, that they're working on in terms of improving the condition there we spoke about how we can resolve violence within the household mm -hmm. as well as within um individuals they also looked at the emotional parts of, of individuals and also spoke about how we can come together on a, on a broader um, platform with more Caribbean islands mm -hmm. involved that we could really eradicate domestic violence and abuse. It's very, very necessary. Uh, because I know sometimes people speak about the, the lack of appropriate um, laws and legislation to support organizations like yours who are trying to really help. I know we, we say men are also victims, but for once uh, we get to, it, it's, not, it's not a good statistic, but because it's so much more prevalent among women than men. Um, so when I say women, I, I, I really mean anybody who is a victim of, of abuse and, and violence. The, the organizations like yours who are looking to help women who are victims, of, of abuse. Um, did you get the sense that um, one of the things they're working on in the various islands is legislature and laws or so? Yes, the, the author spoke about that, which I think is very important. Mm -hmm. I know in St. Martin, the Honorable Minister of Justice, Anna Richardson, is working right now to set up a task force to really uh, work with victims of domestic violence. And I really am happy that that is happening to put protocol protocols into place because you have to understand that the data is very hard to collect. Why? Because most women do not press charges. Mm. And once you don't press charges, or you don't go to the, to the doctor. It's very difficult to have data, to collect the data. So that's something that we're really working on here in Samantha. I know the other islands are also working on that because it's very important. And we have to understand that persons who are victim in such situation are really, really afraid. So they don't press charges because they fear for their lives and that of their children. And many too often you'll hear persons within the community or family members saying things like, why is she gone back? I'm not gonna help her anymore. She shouldn't go back. It's easier said than done. All we have to do as family members and a community is to ensure the person that we will always be there no matter what. That is important. I like, I like, I really like that. And I think it's worth repeating that when we see somebody who is a victim of, of violence and for the person moves away from it for a minute and then they go back, don't interpret it as well, the person's not bright or the person is foolish. Why are they choosing to stay there? Don't interpret it as a choice. Um, what you're saying is that the response is to actually increase the support. Yes. Uh, but how, how does somebody who, who cares and wants to do something about it, how do they... I, you tell me that that is even a question that should be considered. How do you continue to provide that support without make you don't become an enabler so so that person comes when when things get too hot they come to you and for rescue and as soon as they it, it's cool they go back in 
um, how how do you um, reconcile? Because that person who is providing this support, in a sense, is, is also experiencing that abuse. Correct. So how how do you talk to people in that kind of setting, that sort of situation? First of all, you gotta build trust. You gotta build a solid foundation based on friendship and trust that a person can really trust you to open up. Mm-hmm. When that person trusts you to open up, then you yourself gradually will talk to this person with compassion and unconditional love. And sometimes if it means telling them that they would have to leave, whether they leave at a moment or not, it is okay. Because it will resonate with the individual. And believe me, one day that person will leave. We can take so much and no more. But if that person knows that you have a listening ear, but you're not enabling them at the same time, mm-hmm. you are giving them tips constantly with the hope that you will use those tips. Yeah, because that's what I was going to ask you about, though. In the meantime, that that person is, is trying to get themselves either physically or mentally in a state where they can live and live permanently, what tools uh, can you give them to help them to cope um, in, in the interim between the time that they can make up their mind and actually take action to, to leave us an abusive situation? In a case like that, you will have to, when I say build the trust of the individual, it's very important. Because mm-hmm. you would have to now refer them to a professional okay. to get that professional help. Mm-hmm. But they have to trust you. And when they trust you, it's easier for them to make that step across to get the professional help that they would need. Because that's also very important. Because remember, they're also draining you. So you some, have, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. That's okay. So you now have to understand that you either want to help or in the beginning you say, I, I cannot help you. And that's okay too. But you also tell them, I know someone who's a very good friend of my own and they can help you. Because it's not every time that you can be the one to help them. You help them by helping them to refer them to someone else as well. That's very important. I remember when I was living in the Netherlands and working as a social worker there, I had a client and um I just came back from I had just came back from St. Martin from burying my sister. And I never spoke about it to my cousin because it was not the important for them to know at that moment. But one night my client called me about three in the morning that her husband was really beating her up and he raped her and she called me and what should she do? And I said, Call the cops. I am on my way. And she was reluctant in the beginning. And when I got there, the husband was very aggressive to her. And I said, why? Why are you treating her in this way? Because, and he said to me, because I own her. Hmm. So I said to her, you have to call the cops and you have to go to the hospital and make an official complaint. And that was the first time I told her, I said, I just came back from St. Martin where my sister was brutally murdered by her husband and then he murdered himself because of the domestic violence. And I will never forget that night because it's so imprinted in my heart and she called the cops she went to the hospital she filed an official complaint and she eventually left him and she said to me she said Sana, you saved my life tonight she said because what you told me and she said i saw it on you that you wish you were there to help your sister and you weren't but you are here to help me 
and I took it very seriously. And I thank her because at the end of the day, I said, it's not me doing anything. You was the one that made that decision. You know, and I, I was very proud of her at the same time. Right. And so one of the things that listeners can do, because I, I like to give listeners things, actions that they can take. One of, one of the things I would suggest is become familiar with the resources that's available in your community to help those people who are in that current situation so that if this situation arises, you know, and you are not able to help that person physically or, or give them everything they need, you can tell them what you can point them towards the resources that are, that are available. And, and, so that, and so that's important. I mean, before we, we leave it to that, I want to do something. I, when we have the discussion, as I said, there's, there's so many folks who express um, their experience that, that they too were victims of some kind of abuse. And usually it's, it's at the hands of somebody that they, they, they're supposed to be protected by. It's a father, it's an uncle, it's a brother, it's a family friend. And so maybe that we may have somebody in the or in the listening audience out there who currently is perpetrating violence on their loved ones, whether it's physical violence, whether it's sexual abuse to a child, to a minor, to a loved one. What would you say? to that person. Imagine that person is sitting right there with you and they're watching us on, on, on TDNTV.net or they're listening to us on the radio or on the Facebook. What are you, what, what would you talk directly to somebody who may be a perpetrator at the moment listening to us? You have to remember that you were born and destined to do great things. You are a king and you are a queen. You have to remember who you are. You got to go deep into yourself. Take a moment of silence. Go deep into yourself and find that place within you that you feel comfortable and happy. Comfortable and happy. And you have to go and seek help. Don't be afraid. Don't feel ashamed. You've got to get help. It's not a secret. And it's not good, it's not cool, and it's not okay to inflict any type of violence or abuse on yourself or on anyone else. You've got to reach out to someone. You got to use your voice and reach out to someone to get that help that you would need in order to allow you to continue being the greatness that you are and you were born and destined to do. So, so, so you're saying that the person who is a perpetrator needs to go to seek help. That that is different because so many times we approach these people from a position of anger, and and so there's no we don't really feel compassion to a person who is inflicting pain and aggressiveness to somebody else. And I'm hearing you giving that message and saying no, 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 that you need help if 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 you. Uh, abusing your daughter, you're abusing your son, whether it's sexual or physically, or your sister or your niece or whoever it is, um, you need help and there's help available for you. Correct. And I say this because I always say that 
my brother-in-law that killed my that murdered my sister he was the one that taught me compassion and unconditional love i remember after the incident i went back to the netherlands and i went on a boxing bag and i was very very angry really angry with my brother-in-law and i boxed on the boxing bag and all i saw was his head for me and i break my hand boxing on the boxing bag and i heard my hand crack and I boxed one hour after my hand was broken on the boxing bag. That's how angry I was at the time. And when I took off the boxing glove, my hand was really swollen big. And I held my hand, I looked at my hand, and I said, Nkosasana, your hands are made for beautiful things and for construction, not destruction. And I said, my brother-in-law, he needed help. Had no one to confide in and no one to go to. And that's why he inflicted that act. I don't know what he was thinking. I can never condone his actions, and I will never condone his actions, but I can never hate him as a human being. So up until today, I still pray for him, for his absolute happiness. And the reason why I do this, and I don't have any anger in animosity towards him, because they left two sons behind, and I have to break that cycle. Because if I don't break that cycle, I pass it on over the next generation, which is my nephews. And I believe that they do not deserve that. They don't deserve that. So I had to change the way I was thinking, what I was saying, and what I was doing. And I had to allow it to become compassionate and with unconditional love. Because I can't say I have a foundation called Voices, enhancing person's life. And mm -hmm. I am walking around with deep anger and animosity towards my brother-in-law. It doesn't work that way. It don't work that way. Wow, that's powerful. So both from both sides, if you're approaching the, the perpetrator or the victim, you approach it with compassion and from a point of view of providing help um, for that person. So the next side of the coin, though, is some person in the audience right now who is experiencing abuse and, and violence of whatever kind, whether it's verbal, um, physical, sexual, self-abuse, as you say, um, talk directly to that person. What, what can they do to help to, to get themselves out of, of, out of that situation eventually? Again, remember who you are. Remember that you're beautiful just the way you are from deep inside. Find that place that makes you happy. Because I know you were happy at one time. You got to find that place. And you have to find the courage and know that there is hope for you. And you have to reach out to someone. It's not a secret. Especially if the person tells you, I'm going to harm someone else because what I'm doing is, is cool. No, it's not. You got to reach out to someone that you trust and let them know what's happening with the hope to know that you will be helped. And then you have to tell yourself, I want to live a fulfilled, happy life. And I have to change my situation. You may not know how to do it now. And that's why it's important to reach out to someone who can help assist you and help you enhance your life further. Remember that you are queen and you are king and you two are born and destined to do great things. Don't feel embarrassed, don't feel ashamed, and know that you are not alone. You are not alone. There are sisters and brothers out there to, 
enhance you, embrace you, and to help you on your journey of healing and recovery. Right. Now, there's one more topic I wanted you to speak on uh, because, you know, in our Caribbean culture, as parents, we, we still practice um, physically beating our children when they do something that we do not approve of. Um, I see it as violence. And I've gotten into trouble in conversations with some of my friends when I said, if you beat a child, it's violence. Any type of physical contact is violence. And um, I guess because of quote-unquote Christian tradition, people quote the Bible, spare the rod and spoil the child, and that sort of thing. How, how do you see that practice of physically beating our children as what, as, and we think it's, it's correction or, 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 or punishment, how does that dovetail itself into abuse and, and violence? It is abuse. It's no, 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 you can't refer it any other way but abuse. And I know I also got in, in, in conflict with persons about it. And they would say like, yeah, but you came out good anyhow. And I was like, it was abuse. However you turn, you turn it. If a parent have to inflict such pain on a, a child or other individual, that is abuse. And again, we have to understand that our parents are only doing what they know best and what was taught to them. It's very challenging for some parents to make that change, that switch, to understand that I can do it differently. And that's why I said earlier, we were not, we were, the most Caribbean persons my age or a little older were brought up in fear. The younger Caribbean persons of today, they are fearless. You are fearful, but they are fearless. So they will more be assertive and they will tell you exactly they don't like what's happening or they will roll their eyes. And before you could do that to a parent, you could, if a parent tell you, you have to do this, you have to do it. I believe you have to listen to your children, not because you are the parent, mean you're always right. I was fortunately brought up in a home where we had a lot of love and my parents always said, my mother especially said, I make you the child, but I did not make your mind. So you're gonna have to choose, you gotta make choices for yourself and you gotta live with those consequences. We have to teach our children to resolve conflict differently. But we also have to teach parents that they have to be able to not hit, but speak. And as, as I said earlier, we were not able to express. So our parents don't speak with us. They command us to do things. And when we don't, they would get angry and then inflict pain or lashes. But that's all they know. That's all they knew. So we have to re-educate ourselves and our parents, not taking away that parenthood from them because some parents feel like, you want to come in and control my child. And it's never about that. Mm -hmm. It's always about teaching you and giving you the tools. You have the tools, but to help you sharpen the tools in the correct way. And parents have to be in a position where they don't feel threatened. Because once they feel threatened, that's it. They will get angry with you and get angry at the child. And also what you're teaching your child is that it's okay for somebody to, to inflict physical violence on you as a form of correction because they don't approve of, and once, 
And once you once you instill that belief in your child, you make it easier for that child to now accept abuse in a in an adult relationship, uh, 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 and if not physical, verbal, whatever it is, that kind of punishment as correction. We have one minute left, and and so um, I want you to just say some closing remarks, uh, and 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 we have to end this conversation, unfortunately. I really want to tell parents out there, especially mothers, you're looking for a good man in your life. Know how to raise your own son. Raise him as a king, the king that he is. To fathers out there, you want to have a good woman in your life. How are you raising your daughter? Teach her that she's a queen, but also let her see that you're treating her mother as a queen that she is. Remember, our children learn by what they see, not necessarily what we tell them. So let your children know, and all of you know, that you are born and destined to do great things. We are kings and queens, and we come from royalty. Know that. Live it. Walk okay. it. And love self. That is such a good way to uh, good place to live it. Thank you so much, Enko Sasana. Um, I really enjoyed our conversation. You have to come back because there's so many areas that we haven't touched on. Um, but listeners, there you have it. It's, it's another episode of This Week in Interview um, with your host, Anthony Drago. Stay tuned for the replay of the final episode of Redemption Road. And um, you can also find a replay of this interview on our Facebook page and also on our um, our podcast on TDN Radio and TDNTV.net. I want to say thank you so much to my guest tonight, Ms. N. Kosasana Ilis. I know I'm butchering that beautiful name. Well, and thank you, listeners, for staying tuned. Thank you to my producer, Sam. And to all you listeners, um, enjoy the final episode of Season 3 of Redemption Road. Good night. <music>